0: I'm thankful today that we're in this. Uh, we're in the seventh week of this series. How well do I know God? Now, uh, someone pointed out to me last week that we didn't have a question mark up there. I'm not going to tell who that person is, but, but the, the idea is, is, is it's just, it is a question. It's, a, it's one to ponder, but it's, it's also making a statement. If I know God so well, then uh, how come my life may not manifest it or something like that? How well do I know God? And we've been talking about uh, the subject matter from this particular perspective. There we find in Ephesians. Go ahead and give us that first verse there, please. But let's read it together. But I do more than think. I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Pause for a moment, all right? That knowing him personally. We've been talking about his attributes, talking about his characteristics, because... You're going to see here today there's a reason for it. All of these understandings of these attributes of God help you to know him personally. Not just to have a mental ascent, but that you can be able to know him on a personal level. And so when the enemy comes, how many of you have ever had the enemy come? He comes where? In your mind, doesn't he? He comes in your circumstances, in your situations. But guess what? When he comes against you, you know someone personally. Who do you know? You don't know this some some small being. You don't know someone irrelevant, all right? You know someone who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You know the God who created it all. You know the one who's ordaining your future and setting things up for you, right? Okay, it's all right to get excited. You know him personally, no, by the way, you know, this, you're messing with me, but guess what, I know, it's, be, it's better than a big brother, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's amazing to know him personally. Your eyes, all right, he wants us eyes to make us intelligent and discerning, that our eyes would be focused and clear, say it with me, so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for Christians. Oh... The utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy and boundless strength, right? And the very first week we said, the very first characteristics of God is what? He knows everything about me, all right? He knows everything about me. There's nothing that is going to take him by surprise. And so... There, there's certain types of uh, elements that I'll do within you because of that. Go ahead. Next, we talked about his power should be your power, right? What, what we, we said that the, the, the Bible says the same right, spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That's pretty powerful. That's just power for us, all right? Next, we said this. He said, he is what? Say it with me. He is here, there, and everywhere, all right? You can't go anywhere and get away from the uh, observance of God where he is. He's everywhere, all Right. Go ahead next. And we said this. He is the same and will not change. Just a quiz for us, all right? What did we say that characteristic or a theological term was? He is what? Well, no. Nope, he is the same and will not change Is See, this is why we go over it. Immutable. He is immutable, omnipresent. He is here, there, and everywhere, okay? He knows all things. He is omniscient, okay? The power part is he's omnipotent. So this one, all right, next one, if you would, please. His grace takes me to great places. Is there anybody here that's thankful for the grace of God? Is there anybody here that'd be saved without the grace of God? Mm-mm. Not a one of us. Next, we said this last week. His control makes me whole. And we talked about the characteristic of the theological term for that was his sovereignty. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. Now, if you think about mankind in that realm and someone that you know that has that kind of power... Some of us get a little bit nervous to put that much power in one person's realm of control or influence. Could you imagine what you would be like if you could do whatever you want, whenever you wanted? However you wanted it to be done? How responsible or irresponsible you may be? That's the kind of control. That's the kind of, that's the kind of what we get to here today. And this title of this message today is trust is a must. Trust is a must. See, all those other things shall lead us to this particular place of trusting God. For in Hebrews eleven six 6, it says, without faith, which is the element of trust, it is impossible to what? Please God. You can't ever be pleasing to him. Trust is a must. It's not a negotiable uh, uh, action step. It is absolutely essential. You can't please him without having faith and trusting in him. Now, I recognize that this needs supernatural involvement and interaction. You cannot, with your own mental assent, come up with a way in which you can convince yourself that you should trust God. That's why the prayer is prayed. I pray that your eyes will be opened, right? That you will have the discernment to be able to ascertain and understand the immensity of these things so that you can know him personally. So, Father, right now we ask that you would take this this time that we have, that you would just compound it all together. You take all these weeks of these messages as as we take the time to review and we would realize that there's a reason for it. For the enemy is coming against us and he's trying to steal our faith. He's trying to, to dilute it is trying to get us to doubt you and and, and doubt your character. But today we declare that as as we have studied your word and your word bears witness with us because it just moves within our spirit that there is something that's linking up that's causing us to be more heavenly minded than we are earthly minded. Lord, there's something that's taking place that's allowing for us to have a vision for the future that we can be a people of hope and and a a people that God will will stretch beyond our normal means and say, if God is for us and who can be against us? Lord, I pray today that you'd help us to put the pieces of the puzzle together, not only within our mind, but supernaturally, your spirit will connect with ours and will grow us up in you and make us more complete and whole. We give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Oh. I love, I love this. If you're uh, in your life groups or you're going to your life groups today, I, I, I hope you have been enjoying the, uh, the time, the discussion questions. If you're not part of a life group, all right, we're in our final two weeks of that. We'll take a, a little break come Christmas time. Some of the life groups are, and they'll start back up in the beginning of the year. But, you know, um, as you discuss those, these questions, they're just discussion starters. Hopefully, you're digging into it. You're getting a little personal with one another. Now, that might keep some people away. But really, I want to tell you something. You're not going to grow in the Lord when you just try to do it by yourself. He says we need to continue to gather together. And I think he's talking about more than just on a Sunday morning. You do remember the pattern of the New Testament church, right? They met together how often? Anyone tell me? Daily. daily. Now, can we do that today? Yes, we can. We can. It may not even be in a physical means and such like that. But we've got all kinds of ways to communicate, to have interaction with each other today, more than they ever had in the years past. So it's amazing what we can do. So, so please consider what you can do in order to connect with people within the body. Now, some of us here today could testify to the fact that we've asked for something that we didn't get from God. Is that right? Anybody raise your hand if you asked for something and didn't get it from God, all right? Someone may have prayed, all right, to to win a certain prize. I'm not saying you played the lottery or anything like that. I'm just saying you may have prayed. Okay, there, there's another prize out there. There's something else, okay, that, that you was doing. And you didn't win and you felt disappointed. That's sweepstakes. How many remember the sweepstakes? You know, They're they coming into your door. They could, You could receive $5,000 a month or a week or whatever it is. Does anyone know anybody who's ever won that? You know that person? No, okay, I don't know, but. Maybe you've had an experience in your life and it's been a tragedy and you couldn't understand. Why did God allow for that to happen? I don't know about you, but I've talked to a lot of people, including myself, that's been had some disappointments throughout the years. And you have to wonder about this question How is it that I come to trust a person anyway? How is trust developed within you? in relationship with somebody. Now, many of us will give the first thing. Well, you've got to come to know that person, right? Now, isn't that what God is, is through his Holy, uh, through His spirit, is putting upon the heart of Paul when he says, I pray that you will come to this place so that you can personally know me? Why? So that you can trust me. But what are some other things? What are some other things that help us to know who we're going to trust. What, what things help to establish whether or not you trust somebody? First of all, I think they need to be people who tell you the truth. Right? Can you trust someone who tells you the truth? Do you not trust somebody who doesn't tell the truth? <laughs> now the sad case is that there are some people who do put their trust in people who have got a pattern of not telling the truth. And it it aches me because, you know, I mean, not that they should ever be thrown away and shouldn't ever be given an opportunity for trust again, but you ought to count on people whom tell the truth. Secondly, you maybe ought to count on people who are fair and just. People who have been given an opportunity to to make a difference in other people's lives, all right? And, And the people who will do what's right even when doing what's right is the hard thing to do. You've been there before? Got to do the right thing. May not be the popular thing. May not be the exciting thing. But you know what? Someone who does the right thing, I can trust. Thirdly, this person must be reliable and dependable. If you're going to develop a relationship of trust, you ought to be able to count on that person, right? They're reliable. They're there for you. Now, Psalms 33, 4 says this. For the word of the Lord is right and true. Go ahead, if you would, please. That scripture verse. The word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Say "All." all. He's faithful in all he does. What do we see here in this scripture? We see those words right, true, and faithful, right? Someone who tells the truth. Someone whom you can count on and will do the right thing no matter what. And someone in whom you can depend on. He's faithful. That's what God is. He's right. He's true. He's faithful. Listen, I have a question for you. Is there anything that God cannot do? Ponder for a moment. Ponder for a moment. Is there some things that God cannot do? Because I suggest to you that there are some things. It wasn't a trick question, all right? It wasn't to make you look silly. But we're all thinking about it. You're thinking about what he cannot do in the realm of, of, uh, of, of the miraculous and such. There's nothing beyond his limits. But when it comes against his character, he cannot do wrong. He cannot, right, lie. He cannot break a promise. So the very things and the reasons that we come to trust God, because what? Because he, he, these he things he cannot do wrong, cannot lie, cannot promise, he cannot break a promise, are the very things that build trust for us, right? Wow. If I could really come to understand what he cannot do, and I can have a relationship with him, then all of a sudden I approach him with the way he tells me to in Hebrews, which is come boldly before the throne, Come boldly, having an expectation that the loving God whom I serve is going to be there for me and care for me and watch over me because He is what? He tells the truth, He does what is right, and He is faithful all the time. When you understand this, all of a sudden you start to get filled up with, with faith, you get to get filled up with confidence. Listen, you need to understand something. God's not just been faithful or, or right or, or, or t- telling the truth in this short manner of time. He's been doing it for years. Now. Yeah. This is a, he, he wasn't walking one way and then decided to come up with a new way to walk because the way he was walking wasn't, wasn't working before. He is the same today as he was yesterday. He does these things because, and, and, and you can look back in the nation of Israel and you could see that without a doubt, he was continually and constantly there for them. In Joshua chapter 21, verse 45, it says this. It's there on the screen for you. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Listen, God is faithful. He does what he said he was going to do. He is there. He made all kinds of promises to the nation of Israel. He promised Abraham a son. And guess what? A son came. He promised that the Israelites would have a land of their own. They had a land of their own. He promised a Messiah. He promised a harvest, a blessing, a protection. He promised, right, that he would be there with them and never leave them or forsake them. He promised restoration after a time of captivity. He promises to restore you today. That's where that starts to break down for us, right? I mean, or build up, I should say. It's you, you break it down and you apply it in your life. Listen, you could take a look at God's track record and you could see that every time that he said something, he came across with it. And some of you are saying, hold on, pastor. There's some things that he had plans for or some things that he wanted to do that didn't get quite done. Let's ponder that for a moment. How is it that God, who tells the truth all the time, who is right and will do right all the time, and faithful, sometimes he can't get done the things that he wants to do? Is it because of God? It's because we don't get in proper alignment, right? And we really most commonly don't get in proper alignment with our faith in him. We let the enemy come in and start to twist things. But in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, you need to understand something. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant. Look at this to a thousand generations. How well do I know God? Do I know him like this? Do I know him as the keeper of promises of a thousand generations? Or has he changed? Are the conditions different? What's going to take place, right? I want to tell you something. In spite of the captivity, in spite of the mass genocide, in spite of people and the Israelites having to move out of the country, in spite of the relocating, uh, all those particular things, the people of Israel are still around, are they not? Yeah, right. The landmass of Israel. I mean, consider we, we, was, we was having some conversation with some people today. And I'm telling you what, it, it, it's it's. The landmass, if we figured it out right, someone help me out, but is less than half, or it's about half the size of the Upper Peninsula. Okay, but we don't know New Jersey, so <laughs> well, I know the Upper Peninsula, and it's less than half the size in square miles. This little nation. No wonder the world will look at it as insignificant, right? No wonder they would think that it's unimportant. Why is the whole world caught up in an awareness of what's happening in this region? And why in the world would would a people want to come in just to get that little postage stamp of land? Except that it's the promised land. Except that it's the enemy that's wanting to come in there and take away the promises that God has made. But guess what? God is still on the throne. God is still working his miracles. God is still a defender, right? He's faithful to his promises. Psalm one forty five thirteen. the Lord is faithful to all his promises, all 7,000 plus of them. Listen, he's written blank checks that's waiting for us to cash in. You get that? He said, I've got a plan for you. All we have to do is begin to claim these promises. And, and what I'm going to talk about real quickly in these next few moments is this, some guarantees that God has given to us. Don't you like guarantees? Now, guarantees not any good if you don't have someone backing it up that's going to be sound. The guarantee for Sears right now doesn't work anymore. Hello? How many of you ever thought that Sears would ever go out of business? Household name. But had a beginning and had an end. Guess who don't have a beginning who don't have an end? Guess who knew it from the very beginning to the very end? Guess who's been involved in the whole process from the very beginning to the very end? I'm telling you what, God is there for you and you can count on him. And he's given us some guarantees. And first of all, I want you to know that you can trust God to forgive your sins. I... Say it with me, I can trust God to forgive my sins. That's basic for a lot of people here and here today. You say, Well, I'm not at that particular point. I've got that thing, that issue settled. I'm all I'm all done with, Pastor. So what more are you going to give me here? Listen, you need to understand something. When 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 we start to live in a manner where we take for granted this particular process, where we lose the appreciation for this part that He has forgiven us of our sins, when you forget the fact that we were had a death sentence, that, that we were dead in our sins, then so we start to live a callous life. Towards the things of God, we start to move through our world as if everybody else is moving, as if it's just a given to us and it's and it's taken for granted. Listen, the reason one of the reasons that we have Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving ought to be more than just once day a year is that you can say, I can trust God to forgive my sins, not just once, but once and for all. And you wake up every single day and say, Guess what? He's forgiven my sins, not only in the past, but today, and no sins in the future. Amen. 1 John 1, 9, if we freely admit that we have sinned and we find him reliable and just, he forgives us and makes us thoroughly, say thoroughly, clean from all that is evil. God says my forgiveness is based on who I am and not who you are. Right? That's speaking of him, upon who he is is and not who we are the forgiveness that's offered to you now if you've been serving the Lord for any manner of time and you've had those days when you've looked at your responses or your action steps and you have been ashamed of yourself just shake your head like this if you got those days. You're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I de- did that. I can't believe I think that. You don't want anybody on the inside at all looking and thinking and be able to hear what you you're going on, right? Can we be truthful here today? Can you hear me in the back? Can you still hear me, Mark, back there? Is it working good? All right, we're dialing this, this sound in. Thanks for your positive feedback, by the way, everybody. I asked for your feedback. I know I was scary. I was scared. You weren't scared. I was scared, all right? But, you know, we're working on it. And so thank you uh, for your patience as we make this sound issue even better, all right? But here's the deal. You need to do something very important according to this particular scripture verse right here. You need to admit that you have sinned. Some people have a problem with this. Especially if you've been saved for a long time. We somehow get to this place where we just kind of forget that even the sins that happen on a daily basis, I need to acknowledge those things. I mean, when I was growing up in the church, I can remember the times when I I, I remember the altar calls that were going to be made, and 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 when they when they talked about, are you right, or do you still need Jesus? And I was saying, my hand was going up. I was remembering, yeah, I need Jesus. I'm looking around at some of those other people, and I'm like, oh no, maybe maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe something wrong with me. And now I I want to be clear when I say no, Jesus, I've just got sin in our lives. You know, I found something that's very. that's very comforting to other people, okay? It's kind of odd, all right, when you think about it. But it is that we sometimes like to be around other people's misery. Hello? Or it makes us feel more comfortable. Let Let me get this right. I want to unpack this for you, all right? It makes us feel a little bit more comfortable if we're not the only ones messing up. If you think that you're supposed to be living in a certain manner and way in which God has a standard for us we want to live, but you think you're the only one blowing it, how reluctant are you to ever want to admit that? So maybe loving other people's misery is not right, but how much easier would it be? How much more healthy would it be? If we practice what the word of God says to confess our sins one to another, how much more effective would it be rather than walking into this particular place on a regular basis, our heads held high and our, you know, just got our Bibles in our hands or our phones our Bibles, whatever we got. And, and, you know, and, and we can be real with each other. We can let somebody know. I mean, I'm not talking about coming up and airing out everybody's dirty laundry. But there is, a, there is a place where you go. There's an influence of people that you have. And some of us really have a hard time this admitting part. It's really not a place it was going to go. But I just I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to kind of dive into this a little bit. Dig into this. You see, when you admit it, when you recognize it, that's what will bring the freedom to you. Because you acknowledge, guess what? He forgives us. And he makes us thoroughly clean. Now, his ability to be able to do that, even if I don't admit it, is not diminished. Right? About what he can do. But the fact is, the application of the forgiveness and the cleanliness is not happening, is not being made manifest in my life until I do the admitting. And so we need to admit this and know that God is doing something that is that's, that's beyond all right what we can do for ourselves. I want you to say this part with me. Go me that next next slide. Let's say this again. Trust is a must. I trust Him that I'm saved, right? Secondly, is this I could trust God to give me guidance. Kind of gave the scripture verse a little bit last week, but get it again. Proverbs 3 5 and 6 from another version of the word it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. <laughs> what you think you know. <laughs> How many you got those people around that's got, got, got a little no to them? <laughs> all right? Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. It's really easy for us to look at other people and say, hey, you're not really as smart as what you think you are. But how much more difficult is it for us to look at ourselves and remind ourselves of that? Oh, I need to trust in the Lord because guess what? I don't know all that I think that I know. Is there weakness in that? No, there's power in that. Because I remember the Lord is in everything I do. He will show me the right way. Many times in my life, I could come to a particular point and question and wondering what direction to go. What do I do? But here, the Word of God, He gives it to us and says, Listen, you don't have to rely upon what you know because your knower's limited. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and just say, Your knower's limited, all right? <laughs> But one thing you can do is you can trust in the Lord. Okay, some of you are really, ju- you really all right, got that going on because you, you know who you're talking to, right? <laughs> but you can trust in the Lord. I mean, it's amazing how many people who will pursue all kinds of different measures in order to try to find out their future, find out their direction. The, 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 the lunatic idea that you could read something from a newspaper called a horoscope and can somehow dictate and indicate the direction for your life and the decisions that you'll make based upon a year or a time in, a, in, the, in the season in which you were born. That you could go into a place and have someone look at the wrinkles on your hand. (laughs) Can flip through some cards. Can go, "Mm. hmm, (laughs) hmm. I mean, think about it. How ridiculous it is. To rely upon something that is so temporal, that has been oh so wrong. But you can go to something and someone found in the word of God who has been faithful every single time. You can go to the Bible. You can go to people who refer and respect the Bible. And you can get the godly counsel that is necessary. (laughs) Right? Did you give me that next one? I trust God to give me guidance. I trust God to give me guidance. No, that was, or you skipped ahead. All right, there you go. You got away from for me to give those ones, all right? There's some points. There's some, there's some emotion behind that I want to get, all right? So say this with me. Now get me here. Trust is a must, all right? The third one is this. Go ahead. Now you can hit that. One more time. Here we go. Two more times. There we go. I can trust God to settle the score. All right, what's going on in your mind right now? (laughs) I could trust God to sell the score. There's not any vindictive people in here, right? There's not anybody who's ever looked at your enemy and said, oh, I can't wait till you get yours. And you know, I think that God has called me to be his servant in this moment. To orchestrate this retribution in your life. You don't know why I'm here, but guess what? This is why God's put me here, to help you. (laughs) You've heard people say it's not fair, right? Have you ever said it's not fair? (laughs) Let me tell you something. That doesn't come to surprise to God because he never said that life was going to be fair. You live in an imperfect world. You're an imperfect person. And things are not going to go the way that you want them to go. Especially when it comes to justice being poured out on somebody. They're definitely not going to happen in the time frame when you want it to happen. And so sometimes we get in the way of God and we try to be the orchestrator of that retribution. Of those things that need to be made right. Because this person needs to learn this lesson. But it's in opposition to God. Because in Romans chapter twelve verse nine it says, "Dear friends, never avenge yourselves; leave that to God." Just say that with me. Leave that to God. <laughs> so let me say it again. Leave that to God, because He has said He will repay those who deserve it. Do you know how much emotional unrest that we have as a result of making sure that other people don't get away with wrongdoing? We look at those situations and we wonder over and over again, you know, God certainly he would want me to do this. But I want you to tell you I want to tell you something. God said he will settle the score. Now there's some of us who will try to do it ourselves, and and, and guess what? I want to let you know something. God will let you keep on trying. But I wonder how well that's gonna work out for you. Have any of you ever found that you've won an argument, but you've lost the battle? You've lost the war. You, 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 you See what I'm saying? You, you, Sometimes you just keep going on with these. God will let you do it. But here's the thing that he wants us to understand is that his resources are better than ours. His ability to convince people is better than ours. His ability to help people to learn the things that they need to learn is better than ours. So you can go ahead and do it your way and it not work out so great, or you can let God do it. Hmm. Jesus knew how to respond. He set the example for us in 1 Peter 2, verse 23. The word of God says that when they hurled insults, their insult to him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Mm. He is the one out of all of us, was the most innocent, undeserving. And he did it for you and me. Who was the ones who were at fault? Not just Adam and Eve. All of you right now who want to blame things on Adam and Eve, consider this for a moment. While they may have got things going, you and me are the ones who can see it from this side and still can't live up to the standard. We still don't do it right. So quick. Well, well, they got something going that we just couldn't change. (laughs) Say this with me, this next line. Trust is a must. We're going to leave that vengeance up to God, right? Number four, the fourth guarantee is this. I could trust God to reward my generosity. Really? You've heard it said, you can't outgive God. How many of you heard to say that before? And some of you are like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know he said that. But living that out is a whole other thing, right? Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give and it will be given to you. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured. To you. Now, if you're a guest here today, I want you to know that we do not just preach finances because we need your finances. We don't preach on that subject matter. We don't even talk about this. The fact of the matter is, is that the, the, the teaching, the correct biblical teaching on finances will help you to experience a fullness in your life that otherwise you couldn't experience. And so when I speak to you about being generous, the motive is not for this, us to just have more that would come in the coffers. It's so that you can be blessed. It'll be given unto you with the same measure you use. You see, we can get legalistic with all kinds of things. And and in our church here, we practice, we observe what I think is taught in the scriptures, the tithe, which is 10%. 10% of everything that comes in, I give back to the Lord that comes where, I, where I'm increased within my household through, through wages or any of those types of things, even through, through gifts. Because he's responsible for that. He is a provider for me in everything. And certainly I want to show him that I trust him as that. So I would rather him to be able to have, uh, leave with me 90% that is blessed than 10%, all right, hold that 10% back and try to work with, you know, 100% that's not. Here's the thing, I could trust God to reward my generosity. When we don't give, we're not hurting God. We hurt, we hurt ourselves, exactly right. He 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 says that, you know what? You you wonder sometimes why we why we pain and why we ache. I mean, it, 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 why we get stuck in particular places. Why, when money comes into our, our homes or into our purses, it's like we have holes in them and it just goes right on through. It's because we don't trust God. It just comes down to that. There's no condemnation here. I, I realize that there's some people who are here coming from all different types of walks in their spiritual life as far as where you're at. And I walk that walk with you. I'll make I'll, I'll, I'll help you to understand the benefits that come from trusting God. That, you know, with the same measure you use to be measured to you. So guess what? And, and, and you've got to take some time, some itty-bitty steps in order to get there, all right? But there is an ultimate destination. There is a place to where you have to go. And it is line Lining yourself up with the Word of God, and to where you could stand before the Lord and said, "I didn't understand it all. I was nervous about it. And there was all kinds of things that was coming into my mind about how I couldn't give that ten percent, or I couldn't give the extra to missions, or I couldn't give in that love offering. But now I walk in such a manner way that I don't even still have much, but I still practice the principle. And guess what? I can look and I can see that God has given me food to eat, a roof over my head, my bills are are, are being paid." May not in the time frame that I want, but as you start to practice the biblical principles, you see that with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Proverbs chapter 22 says this, the generous man will himself be blessed. God is faithful. Give and it will be given to you. It's not a fundraising technique that I'm talking about here today. It is a life-blessing message that I'm trying to give to you. It's life-giving. I want you to understand that when you become generous, not just in giving in the church as far as it happens, but you start to be generous with other people, God sees that. He recognizes that. I guarantee you, because the word of God guarantees that when you become a person who is a giver, it will come back to you. It's the principle. It's not uh, 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 that... It's not a, a, a prosperity teaching only. So say this with me. Trust is a must. Fifth thing is this. I can trust God to keep me saved. All right, I can trust God to forgive me my sin, but I can also trust him to keep me saved. Here's where we come into a little bit of challenges in understanding our theology with our Bapticostalism. <laughs> Anyone know what that is? Anyone know what a Baptist is, all right? So anybody got Baptist heritage here in, in, in your faith? Raise your hand, right? Yeah, good. There was a teaching that was given, and the teaching basically said that uh, in some things that once saved, always saved. And, and you know, um, when a person could never really ever walk away from their faith. And and I, I get the assurance that we all want. And actually, I'm preaching this right here to you because I want you to understand it, that you can trust God to keep you saved. All right? And I'm not going to put a butt on there. You can trust him to keep you saved because he's constantly working for your good. And there are some things that you can do in your life that will deteriorate the very faith that's necessary in order for you to please God. <laughs> so there's no but, but I can lose it this way. And when you're working together, all of these conditions, all these promises, all these guarantees says if you will do this, this is what will happen for you. So God will keep you saved as long as you continue to let faith swell up within you. But sometimes I've heard some people say, even that, you know, that some people said, I talked to so many people that's in the body of Christ and that's going to church and and, and they, they don't even, they're not even sure of their own salvation. And then I had to talk them into it. I had to share some scriptures with them and let them know they're more saved than what they really realize. I say, God forbid to do that. Don't do that. Because the Bible says his spirit will bear witness with your spirit when you're a child of God, all right? He will keep you saved. And if you're not sure of it, it isn't my job to convince you of it. You've got to get into the Word of God, and you've got to be able to read it and ascertain it and receive it from yourself so that someone who comes against you and tries to tell you that you're not when you are, you can look at them, and you can say, I'm not sure what you're talking about. This is what the Word of God has said. This is what I've done. And therefore, I am saved, and he's keeping me saved. Amen? Amen? I could trust God to keep me saved. 1 Corinthians 1.8.9 says, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now it is my proposal to you today. That your salvation can be lost, but it's not going to be because of the faithlessness of God. It's not because he can't keep you saved, because he can keep you saved. He will keep you saved as long as you continue not to do works. I'm not talking about works. Works are the evidence of the the faith that you actually have. They, they, They aren't the things that save you. They are what proves that you actually have genuine faith within you. Faith without works is dead. But the fact of the matter is that God guarantees that he who has started a good work in you will complete it. He will bring it to a finish. He will take you to the end. When we confess. When we confess. What do I do? What do I do when what happens and I sin? There's none of us who are perfect, right? Well, here's what happens. I confess my sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive me of those sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. There are times in my life when I, I try to squirm, I try to get away from God. I love that. Some people don't like that. They don't like the Holy Spirit's hovering in his action. They don't like the guilt that sometimes comes. All right? The guilt. Listen, how many of you know that when you've done something wrong, you ought to be able to say, yeah, they're guilty or not guilty? Now, you don't live in a state of condemnation, but you've got to live in a place of responsibility. You've got to understand when you've done something, you've contributed to the, to the relationship or the strife that's in your relationships. I could trust God because trust is a must. Amen? Last point is this. Team, come on up here if you would, please. I could trust God to remember my service. I could trust that he sees what I'm doing. He looks upon it. He recognizes that he's given me gifts that nobody else has. There's some people who... Live for the realm of the attaboys and the pats on the back. We all appreciate them. Come on, to raise your hand if you appreciate them, right? But sometimes they're not going to be there. And that's why the word of God says, what I do, I do in faith as unto the Lord. There's going to be some things that you're going to do that nobody else is going to see. Prayer is one of those things. So what good does it do you to go and pray before a bunch of people and then be able to hear and see what you're doing? How about you go pray in secret and the heavenly father who sees from above, he will take and bless that, right? Same thing with your service. Now we ought to be appreciative of the gifts that one another sacrifice that people do. The the amount of sacrifices happened this week because of the body of Christ in order for us to be in this service and to do these things that we're doing here right now, it shouldn't be taken for granted. There's people who are serving down in our, in our nursery wing right now and serve on a regular basis, taking care of the spit-up that happened from your little beautiful child. The one that's running around won't sit down at that table over and over again and flip things over and clean you know, I mean the, the, the children's ministry that's happening back in the children's ministry area and the youth ministry and the, the greeters that got here, the praise team that started in their practice at 7.15, 7.30 this morning on a regular basis in order to get here so that they can be prepared to do what they do. The other ministry teams that come together a half hour before their service time so they can get encouraged and get excited about being part of the team and praying. God sees that service. You may never see that service. If you're not doing it, you don't know about it the individuals who are even paid in order to bring service here our, our janitorial staff and when we have a contract with i mean how many of you appreciate it amen when our, our cleaners do things make things clean amen oh it's really easy to take a look at the things that would be that we would do a little bit different but the fact of the matter is for every single one of you that i've just mentioned god sees it he sees it give me that scripture verse if you would please that next slide he says this He says, God is not unfair. He will not forget all you have done, nor the loving labor which you have shown for his sake in looking after fellow Christians. Circle that, not forget. Put that on there. I want you to get it. He will not forget it. Say this with me. Trust is a must. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we come here today and we're thankful that you've given to us this opportunity to to gather together to hear an explanation of your word that it can make impact in our lives. And we began this uh, time with asking you to do something that I can't do by myself. Can't convince anybody. But Lord, you've made some guarantees to us. And I pray today that every person that's within my voices reach, would be able to say, I hear it. I know that trusting God is a must. It's not optional. And I can trust him because. (laughs) Give him all the list of the things. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you will help. Help any person here that's struggling with trusting you. The most important area that we should trust you, Lord, is with our salvation. For nothing else can get going without that so with every head bowed and every eye closed you're here today and and you know where you're at i'm not asking just if you've had just a a a sin moment in your life or or something that, that that has crept up and and it's not a usual thing but there may be some people here today that's had a hard time trusting god with their eternal welfare But today you want to start a relationship with him. You want to come to personally know him in a manner and way that will cause for you to live and to walk differently than what you did before you came in here today. Are you here today? You say, I want to know Jesus. That's what I'm explaining to you. I want to know Jesus. I want to be restored in my relationship with Jesus. If If that's you, would you lift up your hand in this place today? Lift up your hand. God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Where you at, where you at? Got four, five, God bless you. Six, seven. (laughs) Right now, right now, yeah, you kept your hands up. Some of you, you're so confident, you're so desperate. You know it right now in Jesus' name that he's the only one that can make the difference for you. You're desperate, You're like the woman with the issue of blood that would do anything. You're like the blind beggar who cries out and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Other people that tell you to pipe it down and be quiet, but the only thing you can think about is confessing and saying, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus, I need to be in right relationship. (laughs) Anybody else want to join these seven individuals that raised their hand for either a recommitment or a first-time commitment to the Lord? Yes, I see that. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you, amen. Amen. Remarkable. You're here today and some of you are struggling with the trust realm. And the enemy is coming hard against you, trying to get you not to trust God in a specific area in your life. It could be with your family, it could be with your job, it could be with your your relationship. But I'm telling you here today that God wants you to give that over to him. If you're struggling though today, you need you need him to come and help you. Would you lift up your hand and say that you today? Where are you at right now? There's something you're struggling and trusting him in. Yes. All across this, this, this area here, the sanctuary. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, you can put your hand down. God bless you. He sees that hand. Would everybody stand to your feet in this place? We're going to begin to sing this song, and you raise your hand for any one of those things. And I'm going to open up these altars and invite you to come and join me here. I would just like, just uh, prayer team, if you could assess, just, just a few of you, go ahead and come on up here and gather around here. First come, first serve, I'll just make it that way, all right? But if I need about at least about four people up here, if you would, please, come on up here, please, and, and get ready to pray. Four sets of individuals to come and get ready to minister. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to allow for those of you who raise your hand for recommitment to, to come on down here and receive prayer. Those of you that raise your hand and said, there's something going on in my life, I want to come down here. And what I'm going to ask for, what else I'm going to ask to have happen is that I would want for those in the congregation that wants to be used today to pray for other individuals. And if you see someone standing there, I want you to come. And I want you to go ahead and get behind them and just put a hand on them and begin to pray. And just say, God, meet their need. Do what needs to be done to them. Will you pray this prayer with me beforehand, though, this salvation prayer? I think it it, it hits all of our lives. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. For giving your life for my sins. And from this day forward, and maybe for many years before, I promise to live for you. Move in my life today. May your spirit convince me that your word is true. In Jesus' name, amen.